Welcome to the Bible and Me podcast from Precept UK. Being a Christian charity based here in the UK focused on helping you to know God deeply to live differently, we have discussions with some of the greatest modern men and women of God about how their relationship with God's Word, the Bible, has transformed their lives. If you are encouraged by any of the messages in this podcast, it would help us out enormously if you could leave us a review. Or better yet, get involved with God's Word for yourself at precept.org.uk. The opinions and views shared in this podcast do not necessarily reflect that of Precept UK. Now, without further ado, here's Nigel with the latest episode. Well, good uh, good day, everybody. I am uh, delighted to welcome Gareth Pope to the Bible and Me podcast today. Uh, Gareth grew up in South Wales and after school himself, he became a primary school teacher and then a teacher for the visually impaired. Gareth has a real heart for discipling men across Wales. He's a Swansea football club supporter uh, and he also is a football coach coaching his grandson's football team what a privilege that must be um, he hosts uh, a weekly Christian radio show and also a podcast for guys he's married to Linda they have three children and four grandchildren Gareth it is a privilege and a pleasure to have you on the podcast today thank you so much for uh joining us um so thank you, got, Nigel. i've got a question for you to start with um okay yeah how how did you come to faith in jesus christ and why why do you follow him okay it's, it's good to be with you today nigel so that's a really good question to start with isn't it uh well i was brought up in a christian home um, we used to go to the Gospel Hall in Swansea at least three times a Sunday. Sometimes it was four times a Sunday if we went to the youth uh, in the evening. So, you know, we had really good uh, Bible teaching, good knowledge of who Jesus was. And more importantly than that, I saw Jesus in my parents. I'd heard the Gospel regularly. Um, and at the age of just five years of age, I remember in my bedroom at home in Swansea, I was in bed. My mother was at the side of my bed. And I remember we had this, this picture on the wall. It was the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world. It's by Holman Hunt, I believe, the famous painter. And I knew that Jesus was knocking at the, the door of my heart. And at the age of five, I knew that Jesus loved me. And as a simple child, as childlike faith, I asked Jesus to come into my life and take over my life. And he's been with me ever since. So, you know, it's it's 60 years later and I'm still following Jesus. Oh, um, and it's a real privilege to do so. What a wonderful, <clears throat> wonderful. Gosh, going to church three or four times on a Sunday. That's that's commitment. That's commitment. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I was taking that first, but after that, <clears throat> I wanted to go myself. Yes. Yeah. So, so why, why do you follow Jesus? There may be some people listening to this podcast and they mm. may be followers of all sorts of yes. people, but, but why Jesus? Why do you follow him and, and have done for such a long time in your life? Mm. Well, I guess at the beginning it was following your parents, you know, knowing what they believe. But as I've grown older, I've accepted it for myself and I see it as as the best way of living. The only way of living, really, is to follow Jesus Christ. He's, he's the hope of the world. 
is is the only hope that we've got. And we, you know, we're going through awfully dark times ahead of us now. And Jesus is the only hope because he's the son of God. He's the way, the truth and the life. There's no other answer to living our life. We were made to, to worship God and to know Jesus as our savior. So, yeah, he, he's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I can see you re you really do believe that, don't you? Yep, totally. Absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yep. And we'll yep. talk more about this in, in your work of discipleship and evangelism yep. in a minute. But, mm. So you grew up in, in Swansea, in Wales. Yes, um, Tell did. us a little bit about your upbringing and also your schooling. Okay, well, yeah, brought up, uh, born and brought up in Swansea, city in Wales. Uh, my parents were both teachers. Um, my school in, well, I liked my primary school, but I wasn't very keen on my secondary school. We went from a small primary school to a bigger uh, secondary school where they played rugby. They didn't play soccer, they didn't play football. Um, some of the teachers, I think, were quite harsh, quite strict, bigger, bigger secondary school. And I, I can't say that I enjoyed my time in secondary school. But, uh, you know, there we are. Didn't turn out too badly in the end. But uh, <laughs> that was my home. Parents, teachers, I ended up teaching myself. Absolutely. And on, <laughs> on, on leaving school, you went to the West Glamorgan Institute of Higher yeah. Education. And, and as you said, you became a qualified teacher. Now, I mean, I, I ask you, here, what drew you to become a teacher? And I'm guessing, mm. you know, having two parents as teachers. Yeah, that was it, partly. Yeah. But I, I taught in Sunday school, you know, as you do you're in the gospel hall, you know, you get involved in everything. So uh, I was teaching Sunday school, uh, uh, working at the children's meeting every August holiday, summer holiday. We would do one week as a vacation Bible school. We'd take over a school in Swansea and we'd have Christian workers from all over Swansea working together, teaching the children. So, you know, I guess you could say it was in the blood. Yeah, you're in the genes, if you like, but it could have been different. Um, it was only after I'd sort of messed up my A-level exams, I was expected to do well, didn't do too well, that I ended up deciding I wanted to go to, it was the West Glamorgan Institute of Higher Education. It became that, but when I went, there, it was the t training college. It was the uh, teacher training college turned into the West Glamorgan Institute. So, yeah, I was, I suppose I was destined to become a teacher. Yes. I like yes. talking, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now, after teaching in a primary school, you qualified as a teacher for the visually impaired. And you, you did this for some 13 or 14 years. Mm -hmm. What were some of the joys and challenges of, of this type of teaching? Yeah. Let me tell you first how I, how I got into that, perhaps. That would be a backstory i'd been teaching in primary education for about 25 years and it was great to start with but as time went on you know the national curriculum came in uh you were being constantly monitored by people coming in to watch your teaching classes were kept becoming a little bit more unruly if you like so after i'd been there 25 years in primary education in a number of schools i got a bit fed up and, I, and I'm saying, you know, I pray to God every night. God, is, is this where you want me? I'm getting a bit frustrated now. Is this what you want for me? And I think it was a miracle, really, um, because when I 
first done a degree in education um, and I went into teaching. Uh, I actually then went to do a degree in special education. And for 25 years, it was like on the back burner. I wasn't really teaching children with special educational needs. But after that 25 years, when the advertisement for the for the post of teacher of the visually impaired came up and I applied for it, one of the reasons I think why I got it was because I had that qualification from 25 years previously. And, you know, I always look back upon it as it being a miracle of God, really, that he got me this, this job that saved my teaching career. Um, because I don't think I could have done it myself. I couldn't have planned it. But I think God had his eyes on me. You know, there's that verse in, in, in Romans, isn't there, that all things work together for good to those that love God. And God had the plan all along, you know. And sometimes we, we, we see the difficulties and we're wondering, where are you, God? What are you doing? But all along, I believe God had a plan for my life. And those 13 years were probably the happiest years of my teaching career. So the joys of it, I was I was teaching um, visually impaired children and blind children. So I had to learn Braille. Um, so that was one of the challenges of going to Birmingham University, doing another degree, learning Braille uh, and, and methods of teaching the visually impaired. So that was a bit of a challenge, but it was an enjoyable one because it was a fresh challenge. So that was really good. Uh, and the joys were going into schools, going into homes and believing you can make a difference in the lives of these children. Um, children who couldn't see the blackboard, children couldn't see their, their reading books, children who were, you know, perhaps written off in many ways. Mm. You were giving them a chance to, to, to access the curriculum. And I only heard, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, of a young girl that I started teaching Braille to when she was three. Now she was doing her GCSEs. Um, and last year, last week, or the week before I was told, she had all the GCSEs. She's got a number of A's and A stars. And she was going ahead to college. And, you know, I it was lovely to think I played a little part in, in, in getting this girl uh, to go through her education and to fulfill her potential because she was a very clever girl. But when you can't see anything, you can't you see the board and you can't see your friends, you're at a great disadvantage. So it was a it was a joy to be able to teach young people and children like that. And, and also it was a bit of a boost to my confidence because. You were going into schools and you were seen as being a specialist, you know, uh, that other people didn't know how to, to treat these children or to teach these children. And you were welcomed in with open arms by teachers who, who saw you as, you know, a saving grace. You were going to help their child. So it was a wonderful 13 years. It was a great joy, a little bit of challenge, you know, um, but it was it was the best 13 years of my life. I really enjoyed it. Well, that yeah. that is amazing. Um, it was a miracle. I uh, and as you're talking, you know, um, you're helping those that can't see or couldn't see. Mm. And as we will come on to talk to uh, in a minute in the podcast, you're helping a different type of person come to mm -hmm. see, aren't that's you? Right, yes. To see yeah. these That's good, yes. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Now, you have a real heart for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and particularly... Yeah. Um, for uh, reaching yeah. reaching guys with yeah. the with the good news of the gospel. So my That's first right. question is, why why do you have such a heart for for guys in the gospel? Okay, That's a really good question again, Nigel. You full of good questions today. Um, let's see. Um, 
I taught in Sunday school. I, I, I've led youth uh, and different things, but I, I felt like about 15 years ago, I guess, that God was calling me into men's ministry. We were we were in a church in the Bible College of Wales. Now, I don't know if some of you are listeners will have heard of Rhys Howells yes. and the Bible College yes. of Wales, great, great saint. Um, and there were there there were a number of students there, uh, young men students. And I, it was as if God was saying to me, you need to do something with these young men. And we started putting on um, breakfast for them, um, where we would have somebody coming in to speak. We would do some social things, we'd do some fun things, just to encourage them. Um, they were students. So many of them were away from home. They'd come into the Bible, sorry, study uh, college to, to study, and just to help these men grow all around uh, as Christian men of God. And then God sort of took it further. About 10 years ago, God said, well, I, I want you to do something with the men across the city, Swansea. So I called together a few different men from different churches. Uh, we met together and we said, well, what can we do to encourage the men in our churches to reach out to their friends, to their mates, to their colleagues, to, to give them the gospel, to live their lives before them as Jesus would to reach these men. So we came to, together. Uh, we gave the uh, the group of us uh, a really cool name. It was called Swansea Men's Events. And every year we put on about six or seven events that men could know that they could bring their friends to and there would be more than three men and a dog there. There would be a good number there. So we would put on breakfast, curry nights, uh, quizzes, uh, bowling nights, what have you, where men could bring their non-Christian friends to they wouldn't be embarrassed about bringing them. They would be talking to them, and they would, they would, people would see that Christians, you know, are normal people who love Jesus. So that was Christian. That was the uh, Swansea men's events. And then after a few years, we thought, well, let's be part of something perhaps even bigger. So I'd been away to a Christian Vision for Men uh, camp on the Gower Peninsula. The event was called Escape Weekend. Uh, when a guy came down from Christian Vision for Men. And it was a fantastic event again, where there were non-Christian men, Christian men gathering together. And we decided it would be good to come under the umbrella of Christian Vision for Men, which is a, a national and an international organization of, 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 of men working with other men to reach their friends for Jesus. And the vision of Christian Vision for Men is to, to reach a million men in the UK for Jesus. A million men for Jesus. Wow. Um, I don't know if you realize that, wow. you know, in our churches, the women, I don't know if it's the same for you at church, Daisy, outnumber the men, sometimes three to one. I know of chapels and churches in Wales where it's nearly all women there. And then, you know, there are all sorts of surveys and statistics going around, but I'm told that if we don't change the way we do things for men, but probably by about 2030, the church will almost be abandoned by the men of the UK. Things are on a down spiral of, of, of keeping and attracting men to the gospel in the UK. So that's why God's put it on my heart and I can't get away from it. And um, I've been working with men right across Wales uh, the last sort of 10 years, and we've kept it going through COVID as well, Nigel, because every Monday night we were having uh, a Zoom meeting like we, we're having here, where we would have men from across 
bills, probably about 30 every Monday night, people were joining in. And for many men, it was a lifeline because, you know, you couldn't go to work. The churches were closed. Men so anxious, worried about the future. Uh, and it just kept that community together. So as we go into the, the, the autumn, the winter, which is going to be so difficult for families and for men, you know, I think it's vital that we, we look at men and we see how we can reach them with the gospel. Yeah. So that's um, my heart, yeah, for men. Uh, that That is wonderful. Uh, I mean, I was going to ask you about your involvement, but you've told me mm. about that. And um, So your work with CVM, Christian Vision yeah. for Men, how, how would you characterize the different elements of, of what you do with and for CVM? Um, well, for me, I'm the uh, area coordinator for Swansea. So that would mean with a team in Swansea, uh, we would organize events. So as I said, through the year, we'll put on six or seven events, which are really good quality events that churches can bring their friends to. Yeah. But alongside that, we encourage the local church because, you know, we, we're not a church. We are there. We exist to help the local church do their men's groups. So, you know, we would encourage um, all the different churches locally to try, if possible, to have their own men's group, to meet regularly, to study the word, to pray together, to encourage each other. Um, uh, and part of my remit is for CVM is to, to go into areas perhaps where such a, a grouping does not exist. So we're looking at setting up a CVM uh, grouping in Bridgend, in Nice, in Cardiff now, just to get churches working together, you know. Yeah. To break yeah. it down the barriers between churches. Yeah. Very so that good. men can come together with a good number of other Christian guys, bring their mates to it, uh, and give them the gospel. So how so, <clears throat> what what would you say is the spiritual temperature yeah. of of men in Wales? And and what spiritual fruit have you seen uh over the years? What you know, what have you seen God doing amongst guys? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, spiritual temperature. You know, I know people who've moved into Wales and they said they sense there's a stronger sense of the spiritual here than in some parts of England that they've moved from. And they feel called to Wales because Wales has been known traditionally as the land of revival. You know, the last one was a long time ago, but it was 1904. There were previous revivals. And, and I think revivals, are still in the conscious memory of many people, especially men of men, women of my age and of older. They can remember stories of the great revival, Evan Roberts, you know, that, that period of time and so on. So there's still a memory, I think, of a Christian heritage. But I would say that the, the spiritual temperature is probably just around the freezing point, really, Nigel. You know, if we want to be honest, and I think, the temperature of many men in our churches is probably above freezing, but it, it's not much more than lukewarm, to tell you the truth, Nigel. You know, to be honest, you know, I, I see I see men coming to church who are not really engaged. I see men coming and they've told me they're friendless. They haven't got any Christian men friends that they could share their difficulties with, their anxiety with. I know of men who've been coming because their wives nag them or whatever, or ask them to come to church, you know. And sadly, often 
They're not particularly challenged to grow and do anything significant for God. They, you know, we have quite a low expectation of what men can achieve for God. Yeah. You know, so the spiritual temperature, I think, as it is probably across the UK, is pretty, pretty low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad to say. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, Spiritual sure. fruit, you asked me about? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that it's that's hard to hard to measure again, isn't it? You know, um, if you measure it by the churches involved, we've got you know thirty plus churches across Swansea who will bring their men, who will bring other men to events that we do. So that could be a measurement. We see good numbers of men coming to these events. So uh, this year already, we've had a breakfast, 80, 90 guys. We've got an bowling night in the centre of Swansea. Yeah, again, 90 guys. Um, a curry night, we'll have, yeah, same about the same number. So men are bringing their friends, but then you do wonder, are they going to be discipled? Are yeah. they going to grow? And it's hard to measure that, really, because... You know, really, we would like the churches, the local churches who brought those men to, to, to take on a responsibility for helping them to be discipled and help them them to grow, you know. Uh, um, and we are here as a resource. CVM is a resource to help the local church to um, to evangelize and to disciple the men that, that are around them. Wonderful. That's how we function, really. Wonderful. Now, you, you lead spiritual formation groups or discipleship programs. Um, yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So, uh, spiritual formation groups, uh, we're trying to think of a, a cooler name for that than that, Nigel. So, if you can come up with something, something exciting, you know, exciting, that would be really good. But what the Lord, I think, has also made us acutely aware of is that. In general, the church is not that good at discipling men. I don't know whether you would agree with me or whether our listeners would agree with me, but, you know, I've been walking with the Lord now for, yeah, 60 years. And looking at the church generally, I don't think we are that good at discipling men. We get them to come to things, maybe, if they do come to things. Um, they may even make a commitment. They may even say a prayer. They might put their hand up. But we don't off, always do what the Lord told us to do, which was go and make disciples. You know, did, Jesus didn't ask us, get your friends to, to come along on a Sunday morning, come along and that will be sufficient. Jesus said, go and make disciples. You know, he doesn't just want followers, does he? He wants disciples. Men and women who believe in him, who are changed by his Holy Spirit, and then we're able to go out and disciple other men and women as well. Because we the, the mission that Jesus had has been given over to us. Um, so these um, spiritual formation groups are more like discipleship groups, really. Um, and they've come out of the observation, I guess, that in general, the church is not doing a brilliant job of doing what God has asked, Jesus has asked us to do in discipling men. Yeah. So we, we are trialing SFGs, spiritual formation groups, in uh, in the church in Swansea. There's a man called, uh, a gentleman called John Stockley. John Stockley. He is a good man. 
Yeah, your listeners might have heard of him. He's trialing in up in North Wales. And what we're doing is we're getting a group of guys together once a month. So I got 12 guys who generally come to my house, or we might go to a different house once a month, Friday evening. We have food together. So we eat together around a table, and that's where a lot of good conversation comes together. We uh, study the word together. So at the moment, we're working our way through Mark's gospel. So every month, we, we're doing uh, a chapter from Mark. The guys are studying it, you know, thinking about it, praying about it. We are doing a book called The Code, which is a Christian vision for men's book, which is which gives 12 principles for godly men to live by. That's called The Code. So we're doing that alongside the gospel of Mark. We have a guy giving their testimony every month. Uh, and then we pray for each other as well. And during the month, um, we try to get together in groups of twos and threes in order to pray together uh, and to share what God is saying to us together as well. So we have the link up during the month as well. So we're trialing this to see, you know, yeah. how, it, how it grows, what men think of it, if they're encouraged. And at the moment, that they they're loving it because it's the one place perhaps where they can talk face to face with other Christian men. And you know, when one one man starts to share a difficulty, a problem he's got, another man says, "Well, I didn't know you difficulty. I've got a similar difficulty or whatever." And men begin to open up. Men begin to open yeah, up. Absolutely. So I mean, that's yeah. what good on you, Gareth. Good on you. That is fantastic. And just to say, I mean, we met at the CVM conference this year, didn't we? And we've got a mutual friend in Andrew Blackler. Uh, just to say to you, um, yeah. you know, we as a ministry, Precept has exactly what you're talking about, the same heart that yeah. you've got mm -hmm. uh, in discipling people. And so you mentioned the book of Mark yeah. there. Um, uh, I just, you know, as a comment, um, mm -hmm. any... Yeah. Um, uh, Bible study resources that we can help you with and what you're doing, please contact us. Uh, we've got, we've got a, a fantastic study in the book of Mark ourselves. I mean, you're going through Mark Rich. as well. Um, yeah. um, so please, please contact yeah. us about that. We would be delighted to, uh, to help you with that. Um, and it That's engages men in a very practical way of studying the word using um, yeah. we, we, we get guys marking the text and questioning yeah. the text and all that. So, yeah. So, We'd be delighted to help you with that. Well, that would be wonderful. And, and you mentioned the, the, the festival, the gathering, yeah. uh, Nigel, where, where I met you. That was yeah. a really good event, wasn't it? 1,500 guys in a, in a field in Swindon. Yes. It's called the gathering. It's held every year. And every year when I go, I'm amazed at how the men respond to the gospel. I believe when you, when you, when you give the men the gospel, the pure gospel, when they're confronted with the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done for us to save our lives, I believe men will respond to the gospel. You know, Jesus said, the fields are white unto harvest. Yeah. The fields, you know, they're ripe. They're there. Oh, where are the laborers? So my prayer, our prayer, of course, has got to be, Lord, send out the laborers. Bring yeah. people, bring men to join us who will understand what this big mission is all about. Yeah. The fields are ripe unto harvest. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. um, what have you learned the, uh, that men best respond to regarding evangelism and discipleship? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
the men, and you'll know this, right? My, my children, you know, men are very different from women, aren't they? <laughs> you know, men like to be active, don't they? Uh, don't like sitting around, they, you know, unless it's watching football, perhaps, you know, for 90 minutes. Um, they don't like, some of them don't like reading and different things. They don't like hypocrisy. They like men who are real with them, men who are straight with them. They like doing things together. So, you know, inviting them to events where they can be themselves, where they can be active, maybe outside, being real, showing them, you know, life together, working on life together, shoulder to shoulder, eating together, um, is a really good way of, of um, coming to men and showing them what the life of Jesus Christ is all about. Yeah. You know, I think we've got to realize that sometimes the way we've done things in the past, maybe not the best way of doing things, you know, we, we get in the results that that can be predicted, really. So yeah. I think we have to change to reach and evangelize yeah. uh, and disciple men of yeah. our generation. Yeah. Now, you host a Christian radio station and a podcast, don't you? Yeah, um, I do. Tell us just in a short while, just a little bit about that. Okay. Um, well, well, it's it came out of the fact that um, we have a Christian radio station coming out of Swansea called Blind Mice Christian Radio. Um, we're looking for broadcasters, basically. So um, he asked me, would I like to do a Christian men's show? So for the last 18 months, I've been putting together a um, half an hour, yes, 20 minutes, half an hour um, program, which is interspersed with uh, Christian worship. And we've been uh, looking at things like uh, the code. We've been going through CVM's the code. Um, we've been looking at the fruit of the spirit, gifts of the spirit, uh, met Christian men, men in the Bible. Um, and coming at it from a from a men's viewpoint, really, how can we be godly men in today's society? So, so every week, been putting a, a podcast together uh, out of that as well. So I would record what we what we've talked about, uh, and I would put it on the you know the internet uh, through Anchor, and people can get the, the Gareth Pope podcast if you want to. It's out there every week, and just to encourage men to live their lives for God, because there's so much misinformation, there's so much worldly news out there, isn't it, that, you know, we want to encourage men to live for God. So yeah. that's something I do every week as well. So Brilliant. Now, you, you I know football is a passion of yours, isn't it? Um, yes, yeah. And have you got any budding stars amongst your grandson's football team? Uh, well, we've got a couple of um, sons of famous Welsh rugby players. Oh, wow. um, I won't mention their names, but boys who, who dads have played for the Welsh rugby team, but they're actually playing football with us now. So we've got to be careful, you know, that they don't, not too enthusiastic, but they're really good players as well. But of course, I guess the star is my grandson, Braden. So, uh, yeah, he's a good player. And I coach as well with my son-in-law, Dustin, Dustin as well. So together we try and give them, give the youngsters, uh, you know, good principles of, of fairness and, uh, you know, sportsmanship. And um, yeah, we really enjoy it. It's a good, healthy activity as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, um, the this podcast is called The Bible and Me. Um, mm. Why is 
the word of God important to you, Gareth? Oh, why is the word of God? Well, because it's the word of God. <laughs> um, I was, I was, um, I was looking at the, this Bible I've got. It's uh, the Precept Bible. It's the New Inductive Study Bible. I don't know if you've seen it, but I was looking at the preface, and it says this word about the Bible. It says this, these are the words. This book is the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. You know, this is the most precious book that we can possibly have. The word of God. So, you know, this is what I want to, to tell people about. The word of God. Getting into the word of God. Studying the word of God. Because mm. it's lively. It's, it's, it's alive. Yeah. Through the Holy Spirit. And it changes lives. Mm. It changes lives. So, Amen. Um, Amen. I mean, I see that that Bible that you've got is an inductive study Bible. I'm I'm delighted yeah. you've got one of those. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, and we need help, don't we, to to read it and study it. Uh, we need we Definitely. need that help. Um, you know, you were a yeah. teacher. You you obviously a bright guy. Um, but if you're going to teach something, you've got to understand it yourself in order to be able to teach That's it. That's right. But um, yeah. I think one of the things that um, personally I found so helpful is being taught how to study the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know, um, how do you go about studying the Bible? The Bible's a big book, isn't it? It where is, do, yeah, where yeah. Where do you start? How do you do it? And, mm -hmm. uh, and so um, you're involved in a ministry that's reaching men for Christ. Yeah. Uh, and you said um, very wisely that, you know, we need to have those connections, those friendships with guys, provide opportunities for guys to come along and meet but we need to disciple them we need to mm. uh yeah. and a disciple is a learner someone who's yes. a learner mm -hmm. and um you know i think um what i discovered myself is i needed a lot of teaching i need mm -hmm. a lot of teaching learning and so so the ministry that god's called you to you're you're helping guys come to to know god mm. The ministry that God's called me to is to teach them how to study the Bible. And, yeah. uh, and so um, just helping, building a bridge for for guys to take them from a place where they think, you know what, the Bible's too big a book. I don't know where to start. I can't do this. To giving them that place where, you know, you can do this. Absolutely, yeah. you can do this. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's what we're seeking to do as a ministry, yeah. to, do that, to provide those bridges yeah. for people to get to know God through studying his word. Uh, and how do you study it yourself? Okay. Now, you know, I think a lot of Christian guys do find it hard to study the Bible, don't they? You know, even, even guys who like read in sometimes, you've got a, this big book, 66 books. Where do you start? What do you do? Um, I have found it very useful over the last few years. I've got a set of books which actually divide up the Bible. So there are, I've got my own, um, I don't know if there's 66 of these because one or two books, two books are put together. Um, and what they've, what they've got to do, is, this is called the Illuminated Scripture Journal. So it's, it's got each of the books of the Bible. It's got a uh, the text on one page, 
it's got blank page on the next one. So as I read the word of God and I pray about the word of God, you know, God interacts with you, doesn't he? God speaks to you because it's the living word of God. And this this set of this this set of books has got a, a, a blank page next to it, uh, in which you can write down what God is saying to you. Or it could be cross-references from something else that you've read. And I find this very, very helpful um, for reading the Word of God. Plus, because, um, you know, this this is the book of Mark I've got, I'm, sh- I'm showing you at the moment. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's broken down because when you see the whole Bible and the 66 books in there, you're thinking sometimes, you know, where do I start? It's such a big book. And it's easy sometimes to think, well, so hard to start. Maybe I won't start, you know. And I know Christians, some Christians who, who only read the Bible on, on a Sunday, you know, and that's not going to feed you, is it? You know, we need to be reading the Word of God every day. So I have found this set of of, of books um, really, really useful in which I can read, read the Word of God. I can text mark it. And as God speaks to me, um, I can make notes as well and, and I can refer to it and I can add to it because it's the living word of God, isn't it? You know, and, and God uses it just to to completely speak to you every time you read it. So I tend to use this set, um, this set of Bible books, if you like. Um, sure. They're called the Illuminated Scripture Journal by Crossway. Okay. That's, that's, that's what I'm using at the moment. Brilliant. And, um, Brilliant. And and tell me, do you have a favorite Bible book, um, or or maybe a character in in the Bible? Oh, uh, that's that's a tricky one. I love all the books of the Bible, but I, I I really like the book of Nehemiah and the character of Nehemiah. Yes. Here's a man who is far away from home. You know, he's been taken out of the land, his own land. He's in exile. And he's a butler to, 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 to the king um, in Babylon. And, you know, he's still connected to God. And he sees the need of his people back home in Jerusalem. And he hears the call of God. And he could live a comfortable life. He got it easy. He's got everything in the king's palace. But he hears the call of God in his life. And God's not going to let him go. But he answers the call of God. You know, um, I love that phrase which says, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You know, God often doesn't use the most expected people. You know, the ones who you think, oh, they're going to they're gonna do it for God. God looks for... Like he did with David, you know, you know David and Goliath. He looks at the heart. He looks for the man after God's own heart, um, and he takes that man. Other people might not think, you know, are going to make the grade, but God takes that man and He uses him for His purpose. Um, so so I love the book of I love the book of Nehemiah. Yeah, yeah, I love that character and what he does for God. How he, you know, he leaves. The, King's Palace, where he had everything, didn't he? You know, he had his food supplied for him. He had, he had everything, and he goes and he risks. He risks it all in order to follow. To be, he says, "Here am I." If you like, "Here am I." Send me, uh, and that's one of my favorite characters. I think in the whole of the Bible. 
Well, do you know what? He's one of mine. <laughs> really? Bit he, no, he, re he really is. And um, I think particularly, um, and in our context today, you know, in the UK, looking at the mm. spiritual state of our nation, I'm reminded as you've been speaking at the end of Nehemiah chapter two, yes. when he's gone back to Jerusalem and he's wreckied the, the city and it's in a, and it's in a dreadful state. Yeah. And he gathers mm. together a bunch of folks and this is in Nehemiah chapter two, verse seven. Yes. Mm. And he says, uh, you see the trouble that we are in, mm. how Jerusalem yeah. lies in ruins and its gates burnt. Come, he says, let yeah. us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of mm. the hand of my God that had been me for good and the words that the king had spoken mm. to me. And they said, let us rise and build. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did, didn't he? Yeah, um, and in 52 in record days, times. Yeah, record time. In 52 yeah. days, he rebuilt the wall. So I would absolutely yeah. concur with you yeah. about Nehemiah. Um, Fantastic. Fantastic. Nehemiah. Yeah. And we, Precept, have a fantastic study on Nehemiah. So just plug okay. that one. Now, what, what is your favorite Bible verse? Ooh, right. Okay. Favorite Bible verse. A verse I think I'd go for. Um, <laughs> a verse my a late dad wrote in my one of my Bibles. He wrote down uh, Proverbs 3, verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Dad wrote that verse in my Bible, you know. Uh, and that's been my compass, I think, through life. You know, he's been my guide. Acknowledge him. Put him first, but even if things seem difficult, God's got a plan. Oh, God's going to direct your path, and he, He's looking after you. He's your guide. Yeah, that's probably that's one of my favorite verses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant, mm. brilliant, brilliant verse, brilliant verse. Now I understand you are a very good friend of ours by the name of Andrew Blackler. Oh, Andrew, yes, dear Andrew, who has good a man. good man, of God. He, he has a right. on, on this podcast. What yes. What is your connection with him? Oh, all right. It's, it comes through the, the Gospel Hall. Um, Andrew's a, a fine man of God in Nice. Um, I was in the Gospel Hall in Swansea. Uh, very close connections. We work together in many ways. Andrew comes and supports Christian Vision for Men in Swansea. So he brings a whole tribe down with him when we put on events uh, uh, in Swansea and in the area around Swansea. He's, he's a great supporter of it. Um, and he's a great man of God. He's a good friend of ours. So you know, I, I respect Andrew and all the work that he's doing and his family up there in this good, man of, God, a good man of God. Amen. He's our, he's our prayer coordinator for the ministry and has yes. been doing that uh, for some time. So we're very blessed to have him. A great man of God. With us. Yes. So, um, Gareth, as we come into land, um, how can we pray for you? Oh, right. OK. Um, I think you could pray that God will continue to direct my paths. You know, from that verse, um, which said, uh, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct you. Well, just, to, just that God will continue to direct my paths so that I only do what he wants me to do. Um, 
and I'll have no regrets at the end of my life. You know, I'll, I'll look back and I think, well, I, I did do what God asked me to do. Mm. Uh, I fulfilled my assignment. Mm. And, um, you know, to have no regrets at the end, to be used for God so that I've got nothing left in the tank, I guess, and to do what he wants me to do. And I'd love to see a revival in our land again, you know, that God sweeps again through our land and he brings men and their, their wives and their children back to him again. That's that's my great prayer for for Wales and for the whole of the UK and, yeah. and the world, I guess. Yeah. God would move again with his spirit. Have mercy on us. Mm-hmm. And if, he wants to, if he will use me, I'd, I'd love it. No, amen. You know, you you reminded me what you you know you don't want to have any regrets. You you want to do what yeah. what what he's called you to do, and that's mm. what Jesus said. Mm. Je- Jesus said that I, to to his father in in John's gospel. You know, I have fulfilled what you have called me to do. Yes, and I think that is a wonderful prayer to fulfill mm-hmm. what God has purposed for each one of us in our context, our situation, and as you said so wisely looking back to have no regrets mm-hmm. to, you know, we're on our deathbed thing. Ah, oh, I wish I'd, I yeah. wish I'd said this, or I wish I'd done that, or, mm. you know, to have no regrets. Uh, but I think, you know, that takes courage, doesn't it? In today's world to, to fulfill what God's called us to do as individuals mm-hmm. does take courage in today's world to be able to stand up, to clearly explain um, the gospel, the good news, living a holy life, living a godly life. That is very countercultural. Mm-hmm. In today's society but it's so needed in yes. today's society yes um, that's right yeah you know and we so need a, we need the men of god to stand up now for our generation mm. to, to get the gospel out there you know we're going to be going through hard times aren't we now you know um yeah. with all that's happening in in the world and in the uk mm. we're going to be facing a bleak winter and we really need the church to to rise and to fulfill our role our purpose in in shining as as beacons mm. for the lord jesus christ I, I don't normally do this on the podcast uh by way of any but would you would you pray for that now as we close what what mm. you know pray for what's on your heart for for, yes. for men and for our nation would you do that and i'd love I'll, to and then i'll close yeah i'd love yeah. to yeah mm. Lord Jesus, we thank you for, for this time together. And we thank you for the fact that you called us. You called your people to be a light, a light into the world. Just as you, Lord Jesus, are the light of the world. You call us to be a light to the world as well. And Father, we, we pray for our world now. We pray for our country now, Father, as we are going into autumn and winter when many people are going to be facing difficulties in their lives. Father, I pray that you would help us to be a light, a guide to the people who live around us, in our neighborhoods, in our towns, in our cities. I pray that men of God and the women of God, the people of God, would be shining lights for you in all those different places where you put us, strategically put us. Help us to be shining lights for you, that we can bring your hope, hope to a a hopeless world, a dying world, a a world that seems to have no hope apart from you. Father, would you help us to be your light to the world around us? Would you strengthen us, Father, and raise up 
men and women who will just shine for you. We'll do all that you call us to do and that we would be able to, to show your light, to show your love to the people around us. Father, I just pray now you would help Christian vision for men across the UK and across the world, that you would help us to reach men for you, Father. Men who at the moment don't know you, <clears throat> that they would come to know you <clears throat> and to love you. Would you help us, Father? And Father, I pray for this ministry, precept ministry, that you would help the guys here, Father, that they would be able to reach out, Father, across this nation, across all the nations where they are, Father, they would bring you a light and you a good news. And that the men and women who love you would study your word and would be able to, to show your word and, and give your word to the people all around them. So, Father, I just pray that you would be with us now and help us in what you're calling us to do. We do love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for first loving us. We love you as well, Father. Would you help us to serve you? with all that we've got, so that we've got no regrets at the end of our lives. We don't look back and think, oh, I wish I'd done that for you, Lord. But we would give everything for you and for your kingdom. Mm. We thank you now, Lord Jesus. We bless your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Amen. 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 So, Mr. Um, Mr. Gareth Pope, it's been an absolute delight. Um, oh, thank you, brother. And a joy. And I see the Lord Jesus in you and through oh, you as you, thank you. Uh, fulfill what he's called you to be and to do and a real heart for evangelism and discipleship. May the Lord bless you as you go. Um, may, and you he, bless. Uh, may he bring many into the kingdom as a result of your obedience to him. Uh, and may he uh, shine his uh, light upon you. May he protect yes. you. Mm. And, uh, and may he um, be gracious to you and give you peace. Oh, so, thank, thank you, brother. And thank oh. you for this opportunity today. Oh, well, it's been my privilege and my pleasure to tell something of your story. So thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless. And God you, bless you.